Joe of Lahaina by Charles Warren Stoddard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Joe of Lahaina by Charles Warren Stoddard. Part 1. I was stormed in at Lahaina. Now, Lahaina is a little slice of civilization, beached on the shore of barbarism. One can easily stand that little of it, for brown and brawny heathendom becomes more wonderful and captivating by contrast. So I was glad of dear, drowsy little Lahaina, and was glad also that she had but one broad street, which possibly led to destruction, and yet looked lovely in the distance. It didn't matter to me that the one broad street had but one side to it, for the sea lapped over the sloping sands on its lower edge, and the sun used to set right in the face of every solitary citizen of Lahaina, just as he went to supper. I was waiting to catch a passage in a passing schooner, and that's why I came there. But the schooner flashed by us in a great gale from the south, and so I was stormed in indefinitely. It was Holy Week, and I concluded to go to housekeeping, because it would be so nice to have my frugal meals in private, to go to Mass and Vespers daily, and then to come back and feel quite at home. My villa was suburban, built of dried grasses on the model of a haystack, dug out in the middle, with doors and windows let into the four sides thereof. It was planted in the midst of a vineyard, with avenues stretching in all directions under a network of stems and tendrils. Her breath is sweeter than the sweet winds that breathe over the grape blossoms of Lahaina. So the song said, and I began to think upon the surpassing sweetness of that breath as I inhaled the sweet winds of Lahaina, while the wilderness of its vineyards blossomed like the rose. I used to sit in my veranda and turn to Joe, joe was my private and confidential servant and i would say to joe while we scented the odor of grape and saw the great banana leaves waving their cambric sails and heard the sea moaning in the melancholy distance i would say to him joe housekeeping is good fun isn't it whereupon joe would utter a sort of unanimous yes with his whole body and soul so that question was carried triumphantly and we would relapse into a comfortable silence, while the voices of the wily singers down on the city front would whisper to us and cause us to wonder what they could possibly be doing at that moment in the broad way that led to destruction. Then we would take a drink of cocoa milk and finish our bananas and go to bed, because we had nothing else to do. This is the way that we began our cooperative housekeeping. One night, when there was a riotous sort of a festival, off in a retired valley, I saw, in the excited throng of natives who were going mad over their national dance, a young face that seemed to embody a whole tropical romance. On another night, when a lot of us were bathing in the moonlight, I saw a figure so fresh and joyous that I began to realize how the old Greeks could worship mere physical beauty and forget its higher forms. Then I discovered that face on this body, a rare enough combination, when the whole constituted Joe, 
a young scapegrace who was schooling at lahaina under the eye not a very sharp one of his uncle when i got stormed in and resolved on housekeeping for a season i took joe bribing his uncle to keep the peace which he promised to do provided i gave bonds for joe's irreproachable conduct while with me i willingly gave bonds verbal ones for this was just what i wanted of joe namely to instill into his youthful mind those counsels which if rigorously followed must result in his becoming a true and unterrified american this compact settled joe took up his bed a roll of mats and down we marched to my villa and began housekeeping in good earnest we soon got settled and began to enjoy life though we were not without occasional domestic infelicities for instance joe would wake up in the middle of the night declaring to me that it was morning and thereupon insist upon sweeping out at once and in the most vigorous manner having filled the air with dust he would rush off to the baker's for our hot rolls and a pat of breakfast butter leaving me meantime to recover as i might having settled myself for a comfortable hour's reading bolstered up in a luxurious fashion joe would enter with breakfast and orders to the effect that it be eaten at once and without delay it was useless for me to remonstrate with him he was tyrannical he involved me in all manner of difficulties it was holy week and i had resolved upon going to mass and vespers daily i went the soft night winds floated in through the latticed windows of the chapel and made the candles flicker upon the altar the little throng of natives bowed in the impressive silence and were deeply moved it was rest for the soul to be there yet in the midst of it while the father with his pale sad face gave his instructions to which we listened as attentively as possible for there was something in his manner and his voice that made us better creatures while we listened in the midst of it i heard a shrill little whistle a sort of chirp that i knew perfectly well it was joe sitting on a cocoa stump in the garden adjoining and beseeching me to come out right off when service was over i remonstrated with him for his irreverence joe i said if you have no respect for religion yourself respect those who are more fortunate than you but joe was dressed in his best and quite wild at the entrancing loveliness of the night let's walk a little said joe covered with fragrant wreaths and redolent of coconut oil what could i do if i had tried to do anything to the contrary he might have taken me and thrown me away somewhere into a well or a jungle and then i could no longer hope to touch the cord of remorse which cord i sought vainly and which i have since concluded was not in joe's physical corporation at all so we walked a little in vain i strove to break joe of the shocking habit of whistling me out at vespers he would persist in doing it moreover during the day he would collect crusts of bread and banana skins station himself in the ambush behind the curtain of the window next the lane and as some solitary creature strode solemnly past joe would discharge a volley of ammunition over him and then laugh immoderately at his indignation and surprise joe was my pet elephant 
and i was obliged to play with him very cautiously one morning he disappeared i was without the consolations of a breakfast even i made my toilet went to my portmanteau for my purse for i had decided upon a visit to the baker when lo part of my slender means had mysteriously disappeared joe was gone and the money also all day i thought about it in the morning after a very long and miserable night i woke up and when i opened my eyes there in the doorway stood joe in a brand new suit of clothes including boots and hat he was gorgeous beyond description and seemed overjoyed to see me and as merry as though nothing unusual had happened i was quite startled at this apparition joseph i said in my severest tones and then turned over and looked away from him joe evaded the subject in the most delicate manner and was never so interesting as at that moment he sang his specialties and played clumsily upon his bamboo flute to soothe me i suppose and wanted me to eat a whole flat pie which he had brought home as a peace-offering buttoned tightly under his jacket i saw i must strike at once if i struck at all so i said joe what on earth did you do with that money joe said he had replenished his wardrobe and bought the flat pie especially for me joseph i said with great dignity do you know that you have been stealing and that it is highly sinful to steal and may result in something unpleasant in the world to come joe said yes pleasantly though i hardly think he meant it and then he added mildly that he couldn't lie which was a glaring falsehood but wanted me to be sure that he took the money and so had come back to tell me joseph i said you remind me of our noble washington and to my amazement joe was mortified he didn't of course know who washington was but he suspected that i was ridiculing him he came to the bed and haughtily insisted upon my taking the little change he had received from his customers but i implored him to keep it as i had no use at all for it and as i assured him i much preferred hearing it jingle in his pocket the next day i sailed out of lahaina and joe came to the beach with his new trousers tucked into his new boots while he waved his new hat violently in a final adieu much to the envy and admiration of a score of hatless urchins who looked upon joe as the glass of fashion and but little lower than the angels when i entered the boat to set sail a tear stood in joe's bright eye and i think he was really sorry to part with me and i don't wonder at it because our housekeeping experiences were new to him and i may add not unprofitable part two some months of mellow and beautiful weather found me wandering here and there among the islands when the gales came on again and i was driven about homeless and sometimes friendless until by and by i heard of an opportunity to visit molokai an island seldom visited by the tourists where perhaps i could get a close view of a singularly sad and interesting colony of lepers the whole island is green but lonely as you ride over its excellent turnpike you see the ruins of a nation that is passing like a shadow out of sight deserted garden patches crumbling walls and roofs 
tumbled into the one state chamber of the house while knots of long grass wave at half-mast in the chinks and crannies a land of great traditions of magic and witchcraft and spirits a fertile and fragrant solitude how i enjoyed it and yet how it was all telling upon me in its own way one cannot help feeling sad there for he seems to be living and moving in a long reverie out of which he dreads to awaken to a less pathetic life i rode a day or two among the solemn and reproachful ruins with inexpressible complacence and having finally climbed a series of verdant and downy hills and ridden for twenty minutes in a brisk shower came suddenly upon the brink of a great precipice three thousand feet in the air my horse instinctively braced himself and i nervously jerked the bridle square up to my breastbone as i found we were poised between heaven and earth upon a trembling pinnacle of rock a broad peninsula was stretched below me covered with grassy hills here and there clusters of brown huts were visible and to the right the white dots of houses to which i was hastening for that was the leper village to that spot were the wandering and afflicted tribes brought home to die once descending the narrow stairs in the cliff under me never again could they hope to strike their tents and resume their pilgrimage for the curse was on them and necessity had narrowed down their sphere of action to this compass a solitary slope between sea and land with the invisible sentinels of fear and fate forever watching its borders i seemed to be looking into a fiery furnace wherein walked the living bodies of those whom death had already set his seat upon what a mockery it seemed to be climbing down that crag through wreaths of vine and under leafy cataracts breaking into a foam of blossoms a thousand feet below me swinging aside the hanging parasites that obstructed the narrow way entering the valley of death and the very mouth of hell by these floral avenues a brisk ride of a couple of miles across the breadth of the peninsula brought me to the gate of the keeper of the settlement and there i dismounted and hastened into the house to be rid of the curious crowd that had gathered to receive me the little cottage was very comfortable my host and hostess friends of precious memory and with them i felt at once at home and began the new life that everyone begins when the earth seems to have been suddenly transformed into some better or worse world and he alone survives the transformation have you never had such an experience then go into the midst of a community of lepers have ever before your eyes their gorgon-like faces see the horrors hardly to be recognized as human they grope about you listen in vain for the voices that have been hushed forever by decay breathe the tainted atmosphere and bear ever in mind that while they hover about you forbidden to touch you yet longing to clasp once more a hand that is perfect and pure the insidious seeds of the malady may be generating in your vitals and your heart even then be drunk with death i might as well confess that i slept indifferently the first night that i was not entirely free from nervousness the next day as i passed through the various wards assigned to patients 
in every stage of decomposition but i recovered myself in time to observe the admirable system adopted by the hawaiian government for the protection of its unfortunate people i used to sit by the window and see the processions of the less afflicted come for little measures of milk morning and evening then there was a continuous raid upon the ointment pot with the contents of which they delighted to anoint themselves trifling disturbances sometimes brought the plaintiff and defendant to the front gate for final judgment at the hands of their beloved keeper and it was a constant entertainment to watch the progress of events in that singular little world of doomed spirits they were not unhappy i used to hear them singing every evening their souls were singing while their bodies were falling rapidly to dust they continued to play their games as well as they could play them with the loss of a finger joint or a toe from week to week it is thus gradually and thus slowly that they die feeling their voices growing fainter and their strength less as the idle days passed over them and swept them to the tomb sitting at the window on the second evening as the patients came up for milk i observed one of them watching me intently and apparently trying to make me understand something or other but what that something was i could not guess he rushed to the keeper and talked excitedly with him for a moment and then withdrew to one side of the gate and waited till the others were served with their milk still watching me all the while then the keeper entered and told me how i had a friend out there who wished to speak with me someone who had seen me somewhere he supposed but whom i would hardly remember it was their way never to forget a face they had once become familiar with out i went there was a face i could not have recognized as anything friendly or human knots of flesh stood out upon it scar upon scar disfigured it the expression was like that of a mummy stony and withered the outlines of a youthful figure were preserved but the hands and feet were pitiful to look at what was this ogre that knew me and loved me still he soon told me who he once had been but was no longer our little unfortunate joe my lahaina charge in his case the disease had spread with fearful rapidity the keeper thought he could hardly survive the year many lingered year after year and cannot die but joe was more fortunate his life had been brief and passionate and death was now hastening him to his dissolution joe was forbidden to come near me so he crouched down by the fence and pressing his hands between the pickets sifted the dust at my feet while he wailed in a low voice and called me over and over dear friend good friend and master i wish i had never seen him so humbled to think of my disreputable little protege who was wont to lord it over me as though he had been a born chief to think of joe as being there in his extremity groveling in the dust at my feet forbidden to climb the great wall of flowers that towered between him and his beautiful world while the rough sea lashed the coast about him and his only companions were such hideous foes as would frighten one out of a dream how i wanted to get close to him but i dared not so we sat there with the slats of the fence between us while we talked very long in the twilight and i was glad 
when it grew so dark that i could no longer see his face his terrible face that came to kill the memory of his former beauty and joe wondered whether i still remembered how we used to walk in the night and go home at last to our little house when lahaina was as still as death and you could almost hear the great stars throbbing in the clear sky how well i remembered it and the day when we went a long way down the beach and looking back saw a wide curve of the land cutting the sea like a sickle and turning up a white and shining swamp then in another place a grove of cocoa palms and a melancholy monastic-looking building with splendid palm branches in its broad windows for it was just after palm sunday and the building belonged to a sisterhood and i remembered how the clouds fell and the rain drove us into a sudden shelter and we ate tamarind jam spread thick on thin slices of bread and were supremely happy in this connection i could not forget how joe became very unruly about that time and i got mortified and found great difficulty in getting him home at all and yet the memory of it would have been perfect but for this fate oh joe my poor dear terrible cobra to think that i should ever be afraid to look into your face in my life joe wanted to call to my mind one other reminiscence a night when we two walked to the old wharf and went out to the end of it and sat there looking inland watching the inky waves slide up and down the beach while the full moon rose over the superb mountains where the clouds were heaped like wool and the very air seemed full of utterances that you could almost hear and understand but for something that made all a mystery i tried then if ever i tried in my life to make joe a little less bad than he was naturally and he seemed merely inclined to be better and would i think have been so but for the thousand temptations that gravitated to him when we got on solid earth again he forgot my precepts then and i'm afraid i forgot them myself joe remembered that night vividly i was touched to hear him confess it and i pray earnestly that that one moment may plead for him in the last day if indeed he needs any special plea other than that nature has published for her own sing for me joe said i and joe still crouching on the other side of the lattice sang some of his old songs one of them a popular melody was echoed through the little settlement where faint voices caught up the chorus and the night was wildly and weirdly musical we walked by the sea the next day and the day following that joe taking pains to stay on the leeward side of me he was so careful to keep the knowledge of his fate uppermost in his mind how could i dismiss it from my own when it was branded in his countenance the desolated beauty of his face pleaded for measureless pity and i gave it out of my prodigality yet felt that i could not begin to give sufficient link by link he was casting off his hold on life he was no longer a complete being his soul was prostrated in the miry clay and waited in agony its long deliverance in leaving the leper village i had concluded to say nothing to joe other than the usual aloha at night when i could ride off in the darkness and sleeping at the foot of the cliff ascended in the first light of the morning 
and get well on my journey before the heat of the day. We took a last walk by the rocks on the shore, heard the sea breathing its long breath under the hollow cones of lava, with a noise like a giant leper in his asthmatic agony. Joe heard it and laughed a little, and then grew silent, and finally said he wanted to leave the place. He hated it. He loved Lahaina dearly. How was everybody in Lahaina? A question he had asked me hourly since my arrival. When night came, I asked Joe to sing, as usual, so he gathered his mates about him, and they sang the songs I liked best. The voices rang, sweeter than ever, up from the group of singers, congregated a few rods off, in the darkness, and while they sang, my horse was saddled, and I quietly bade adieu to my dear friends, the keepers, and mounting, walked the horse slowly up the grass-grown road. I shall never see little Joe again with his pitiful face, growing gradually as dreadful as a cobra's, and almost as fascinating in its hideousness. I waited a little way off in the darkness, waited and listened, till the last song was ended, and I knew he would be looking for me to say good night. But he didn't find me, and he never will. And he will never again find me in this life, for I left him sitting in the dark door of his sepulchre, sitting and singing in the mouth of his grave, clothed all in death. End of Joe of Lahaina by Charles Warren Stoddard